Hey, dance fam, welcome to our next episode of Soul Talk. And I am Shatay Edwards with The Working Dancer. I'm so excited to have you here today. And um, on this episode, I'm uber excited to have Keith Clark in the house, right? In D-Town. What's um, up? He is a choreographer and instructor. He's actually my instructor. I'm going to call him that, my instructor. And performer, okay. um, right? So he choreographed, co-choreographed yes. a show called Bollywood Beats. Um, but he teaches all over the city of Dallas and everywhere, actually. Very well-respected performer. And I would call him, like, the professional's professional, right? The professional's ah, instructor, right? Okay. So okay. Um, I'm excited to have him. Thank you, Keith, for joining us on Soul Talk. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing well. So I know I'm always asking you, like, can I interview you for this? Can I interview you? It's all good. Because I like what you have to say. You're very honest, which is, you know, important. And um, you always have very profound things to say. So I'm excited to share your dance story with everybody. Um, So tell us how you got started dancing. Hey, it was nothing. It was um, what we did back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a 70s baby. (laughs) Um, So growing up on... George Clinton in Parliament and Funk, <laughs> a little <laughs> yep. bit of James Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was old enough to go to the skating rink, which was around the age of eight and nine, is kind of when I fell in love with dance. Um, dance is in my blood, but I didn't necessarily know that I was good. It was just something that we did in the family, me and some of my close friends did, you know, whether it be at the parties or sleepovers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's literally how I got started. I literally just loved the music that was out, you know, during the time. I, it connected with me, particularly James Brown and then a lot of jazz, mm-hmm. um, a lot of jazz. And growing up in the Midwest, Gary, Indiana, which is close to Chicago, mm-hmm. a lot of house music. Yep. And I love house music. And once I connected to that energy in fourth grade, it was it was like it was the sky was the limit. Mm-hmm. The sky was the limit. Um, and that's literally how I got my start. Just boogieing on my skates. Um, I haven't been on my skates in I don't know how many decades, <laughs> which is I'm, I do plan on doing that by the end of the year and trying to get back good at getting mm-hmm. old bounce. My road skate <laughs> that is bad because I used to, I used to tumble in my skates. I used to dance in my skates. I used to do all those tricks really? in my skates. Um, before I actually started dancing, dancing. So that was kind of like my first foray. It's what we did, you know, anytime a big group of us got together, whether it be family, friends, the neighborhood, associates, music always brought us together and we just boogied. And it was several generations represented. Right. And good food that always right. helped. So it was social for you. It was a celebration. Yeah. It was it was just there was mm-hmm. there was no such thing as not dancing, basically. It was just a part of your life. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Whether you go down the soul train line, whether your mama wanted you to show everybody the Michael Jackson <laughs> right. or the James Brown or the latest little step that you've been doing. <laughs> it was probably it was nine times out of ten, it was either James Brown or Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, show them that kick, show them that moonwalk. Mm-hmm. Go on and pop and lock it. <laughs> <laughs> So then did you feel like when you were young, you wanted to do it for a living? Did you know that you could do it for a living? Like, how did it become no, work for you? Right? No, that's that's what's funny. Um, and it's still, I mean, and granted, because I grew up, my mom was in theater. So I grew up kind of watching dance and seeing it on TV. So I knew that there was a living to be made at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so common. It was so common that I thought everyone did it. Mm. Whether they were good at it or not, you know, everyone had movement. 
So I never really looked at it as a profession until I started getting asked to help choreograph other groups around town because they saw my dance group um, always went in the talent shows. Yeah. And so, which kind of caused a little conflict with my group because they thought <laughs> I was giving away the best moves, which I'm like, I'm not. Um, but now it's making me, because I, I'm a creative person, it's making me stretch my brain a little bit more to various mm-hmm. avenues. And even with that, I think that's where I learned how to teach various people. Oh, nice. Um, in that avenue. Um, but I'm like, okay, if you guys really want me like this, you're going to have to pay me. Mm-hmm. And majority of the time, actually back then, I had no problem getting paid than I do kind of now, which is funny. <laughs> now that my craft is honed and everything. And back then, I mean, yes, was it cheap? Yeah, but when you're in elementary school and middle school, $20 is a lot of money too. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. at my time, like, I just need money to catch the bus, to get to the skating rink, maybe $10 <laughs> so I can, you know, get my um, get my coins and my tokens to play the arcade games, uh-huh. maybe a little bit of pool. I was set. Mm-hmm. You know, give me a hot dog or two, some popcorn. <laughs> Pickle and some now and latest. Exactly. <laughs> Living here is about some big Right. And so um, I never really um, looked at it as a profession, but I looked at it professionally enough because I knew that there was a standard that was set. And when people were like, I can't wait to see what you do next time, you know, I was like, oh, people are like really watching. Okay. Um, and then I will circumvent that at the same time it was happening. Um, my mom, she was a choreographer for Soft Sheen hair products. Really? Um, yeah, soft sheen hair products, you know, the carefree curl, the wave Ah. nouveaus. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, so she would, she would put on, she would help co-choreograph a lot of their hair shows, you know, like they had the big Bronner brothers and stuff like that. Well, soft sheen products did that. And so, um, I actually helped start one of the campaigns. I was a freshman in high school. Um, in there with some seniors and some people from college, but it was a sport and waves, mm-hmm. um, pomade mm-hmm. and sport and waves, high five. I had a high top fade, <laughs> you know, they actually texturized my hair and blew it all the way up. I was mad. I was crying the night before because <laughs> it was ugly. It was high. It was ugly. Um, I like, if y'all go add a texture, I'd at least make it curly and do what it do. But you, I mean, they straight blow dried it straight out, straight up. And then it didn't have no shape to it. So I looked like a treasure troll. Uh... <laughs> so they didn't even like really shape it into a box. They just blow dried it all the way out. And it was just stick it up on top of my head. And then that was in a, that was in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So then I was mad because they wanted us to just dance in biking shorts. That is straight eighties. Uh, that is <laughs> Because we were premiering like halftime at a basketball game. I'm like, we can't wear like sweatpants, uh-huh. no breakaways. Nope. No, they wanted biking shorts <laughs> and a tank top. Yeah. I like, this right. is tacky a rude, but, right. um, so in that avenue, because my mom was mainly modern jazz, tap, ballet, when hip hop was starting to become a thing mm-hmm. and become the thing, you know, and everyone wanted this fresh movement, she would always kind of come to me. Well, she did it one time um, and took all the credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> your mama stole your work, huh? <laughs> right. And I was just like, okay. I, this is how the industry works. Uh, <laughs> wow. You pulling me up at midnight, one o'clock in the morning to show you the latest dances and moves. And then you go do this. So I remember going to one of the directors say, anytime you need anything like that, contact me directly. <laughs> and he started doing it. I like I already had dances. I got my own dance group. Mm-hmm. This is how much we want each dancer. And it started there. And it just kind of progressed. Okay. So you you were already performing some pretty big concerts, but you were pursuing a career and something else altogether. 
Yes, I was. Um, like I want to be everything. Like mm-hmm. I want, want to be a ninja. Want to be an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> want to be an architect. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the sky was the limit. I wanted to like fight crime. It's like I was gonna have a regular job during the day and go out at night fight crime. <laughs> like literally, like the boyhood dream. Like I, that's literally what I wanted to do. Um, but entering college, I entered in. Um, for interior design and construction management because I love working with my hands. I love being creative. Um, I was always building model airplanes and model cars, playing with the Lego sex, constrictor sex. So I was really big on like building and constructing. And like like I say, dance for me was my getaway. It was my weekend fun time. It was my I'm stressed, I'm mad, I'm angry, fun time, you know. Um, and when I couldn't dance, I would always draw because I did want to be a comic book illustrator as well. Um <laughs> I did. Really I did. did I was real big in the comic books. I want to be everything. The sky's the limit. Guys, the limit. So, like I say, dance. Like I say, I named off about ten things, and right. dance was not there first. But everyone kept wanting, put, wanted to push me there. But I also kind of knew how the industry was, kind of seeing my mom, you know, growing up, and I was just like, I don't want to be a part of this too much. Mm-hmm. Like, how can somebody like tell you that they like how you dance or not? Like. It's just like art to me. It's very mm-hmm. subjective. It is. You know, but I see how some people get crushed by the opinion of someone else who really didn't have a hand in giving them this talent or this gift. So I never really wanted to be subjected to that. Okay. Um, and I never really wanted to dance or move like anyone else. Um, and I knew that there was a bit of conforming that you would have to do on that side of it. Because even when I would do stuff, they always like, you just stand out. And I'm like, I'm not trying to. I'm doing a move how you gave it to me. It may not be as dry as you gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, like I say, I've been, I didn't know I was a choreographer. And to people like, well, every time you're at the club, yeah, it's the latest dances, but you add your own twist to it. Yeah. So you're kind of making your own step. And I'm like, oh, I never looked at it like that. I like it's just the way that I feel the music. I'm not trying to be different. Mm-hmm. So I even still get that. I mean, I learned how to kind of blend in, but even in my blending in, I still stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until my senior year in college, because I had maybe like two semesters, not back to back, where you know grades was a little bit low, so I wanted mm-hmm. to boost my GPA. Um, and the repertory company on Purdue's campus had been wanting me for ages. And so I went to my counselor and I say, you know, are there any dance classes available? And is there room for me to get in? Because I thought I can get a quick A. And it was jazz class. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, we only have like jazz three, four available. And I'm like, well, sign me up. She's like, well, have you had jazz before? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I say yeah is because I was studying like the jitterbug and a Lindy Hop and a yeah. swing from Chicago step because to me that's the real jazz that's yeah. the real social dance because mm-hmm. um, it came from jazz music yes and mm-hmm. it came from jazz music mm-hmm. literally you know um, and so that's why I said yeah because I love the jitterbug like if I wasn't born in the 70s I would like to be around when a cotton club and a Savoy mm-hmm. was really in its heyday mm-hmm. um, because being dressed to the nines in a zoot suit and everything that was that was cool to me that was fly to me um, where people actually dressed to the nines and still got out on that floor and boogie. Yep. <laughs> they weren't they weren't too cute to dance. Right. Even the women in their dresses and their heels, you know. Um, so yeah, so I did that and then I saw the major avenues that it even opened up for me choreographically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so from then on out the sky was the limit. Um So then I, what did what did dance look like for you as an adult? So out of college, how were you were you still earning money? 
from your choreography and dance or were you just in a completely different career altogether? Something. And I'm making a statement that, okay, if by 25, if I'm not doing anything dance wise, it's not meant to be. Mm. Well, literally when I turned 25 and I was in Chicago, um, just taking a class, working on my training and all the students kept asking me if I taught. Um, and I was like, no, I'm just coming to take class. But they're like, well, you can teach, teach us, teach us. So I just kind of sent in my resume to be a substitute, got the opportunity a week later, and they, they liked me, so they created three classes for me on their mm. schedule. Nice. Um, and it was at Little Home of Hubbard Street Dance Company. And um, everything just started skyrocketing from there. Um, even in college, you know, they wanted me to be a part of the Indiana Pacers dance team because they were trying to go co-ed. You know, Reggie Miller wanted me to teach him how to dance. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, huh, this is this is interesting. You know, getting paid and everything and then turning stuff down, like, that's not enough money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything just started skyrocketing. And so I just started setting, like, little goals for myself. Like, okay, what I like to do a video, what I like to do a commercial. And they had never been anything, like, national. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, so some of them were regional, because I didn't specify, like, I want to do a nationally well-known commercial. I want to choreograph for this mm-hmm. artist or that artist. It was never that. Because I was already doing above and beyond what I had already thought that I was going to do with mm-hmm. dance anyway. Okay. But also, like I say, knowing the business side of it, I didn't like it because dance was not becoming fun for me when I had to go back and argue about pay, compensation, mm-hmm. or negotiate those deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just it just skyrocketed from there. And I just ride the wave whenever I want to. The beauty of it is because I never wanted it to be necessarily a full-time job because once again me for my own sanity i have to kind of step away to refresh myself Mm -hmm. um and i'm glad that i've always had that option so i never totally totally relied on dance that much as my main breadwinner because i know that's a whole nother bag of worms and a whole nother set of um issues and another hustle that's cool so what i'm hearing from you just from hearing your story i think is really interesting is that you never necessarily chose dance a dance no. career it shows you it shows like, so me people i tell people that it shows you to teach people have always yes. asked you to choreograph yes and you've just and you they say when people people are asking you for something that's your thing like that's yes. what you're supposed to be doing so yes. the fact that people have always asked you to teach always asked you to choreograph yes. always asked you to perform that means that you are in fact supposed to be doing all those things right yes so yes. even though you had the option like you were doing you were working at other places but you still dance was always in your life has always been in your life do you mm-hmm. feel like you had like what's been your biggest challenge when it comes to i don't, I don't want to say dance career but yeah. what's been your biggest challenge do you think um, the biggest challenge is fighting for the respect mm. of the craft. Mm-hmm. You know, um, anything in arts is doggy dog because it's subjective. Okay. Um, but fighting for the respect because you have to know your worth. Mm-hmm. You can't let anyone tell you your worth. And my deal is if you're coming to me to ask me, um, I'm going to give it to you. Now, sometimes there's a little wiggle room for the negotiation but then the more you stack up your resume for one or the longer you've been in the game um your value should increase Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it should increase and you should have the skill set to kind of show that or to know how to delegate that nowadays you know some of us for lack of a better term older seasoned people who've been around either they feel like we're not fresh enough or we it's almost like working on a job now you know, you are 
you're either too pricey. We're looking for someone younger, mm-hmm. sometime to pay more than what they're going to pay you because they feel like it's fresher or someone that they can kind of run over, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of tell them what to do as well. Right. Um, I'll always say that's always the biggest challenge as to knowing your worth as an artist and knowing what you bring to the table and doing it unapologetically and knowing that there's going to be times where people are going to be like, well, no, we can't do that. And you have to be okay with that and keep on moving um, and not find yourself in so many positions of being desperate, mm-hmm. you know, and still asked out at the same time. Right. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that. And then that... the show for it. So I say, I'll, I'll go ahead. No, I was going to say that that comes up all the time when I'm interviewing yes. people. The, the one thing that people always say, and it's not even prompted, is that, you know, talking about knowing your worth. Everyone hasn't said it's their challenge, but everyone brings it up in some type yes. of way. Like maybe yes. it's something within the dance community as a whole that, um, I don't know, we're just, we need to be more aware of. We need to talk about it more in the classrooms or something. Mm-hmm. But that one, that one thing comes up time and time again when yeah. I talk to different professionals. That's interesting. Yes. Yes. And I think a lot of it comes from just the training aspect of it, because if you really think about a lot of the classes, you're also trained to doubt yourself. Mm. Is this good enough? Am I good enough today? Am I That's good enough? So when people when people come up to you and be like, OK, how much you're looking for? And you give them a figure and they're like, "Ooh, well, wait, wait, it, it, is that not right? Mm. OK. But, you know, mm-hmm. people get that doubt. You know what I'm saying? That's or even like sometimes. When, like, I'll say even in ballet, and they're like, well, no, you know, the heel should be pointing more forward. I say, well, this is as forward as it's going to get. It's still forward. <laughs> uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? This is what my hips and what my body is allowing me to do today. Right. Mm-hmm. You either want me to tear a hip a hip muscle, a hip ligament, or strain my knee or my ankle trying to get this perfect turnout. And no, that, that's, that's not it. Uh-huh. It's still turned out. Uh-huh. Accept it. You know <laughs> it. It is what it is. It's me. I'm uh-huh. not about to, you know, keep inconveniencing myself or damage my career trying to prove something to you on this tondu (laughs) you know what i'm saying like so i I feel the same way when it comes to people asking you for things and then you leave it up to the the dancer the choreographer the director stage manager rehearsal assistant whoever you leave it up to them if they want to do charity work or if they want to discount take a discount Mm -hmm. you know because we do do that Mm -hmm. sometimes we want to do it because it's either artistically sound Mm -hmm. you know we take a lot of hits Mm -hmm. sometimes it's things to get your foot in the door but you allow that artist the opportunity to do that don't you know i I feel like a lot of people try to present it to us first right i always tell people make sure you have good strong working relationships any position that you put yourself or find yourself in that you give 100 percent and your for lack of a better term, your character should far outweigh anything and your work ethic should far outweigh any other BS that's out there. And if you don't get something, you at least know it's because it will it was not because of your professionalism or your work ethic mm-hmm. or anything like that. Right. They just found something cheaper and a lot of times they get what they pay for. Right. You absolutely get what you pay for, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's gotta be quality over yeah, quantity. So, because you've been in the game for so long, people would consider you like a, I don't even want to say pioneer because that makes you seem like like really, really, really old. Right, like you're I started something. Old, right. But you're, you're res- well respected in the community as somebody, yeah. you know, like pay their dues, know what he's talking about, you know, teacher, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But you're also, you know, in the ranks and friends with people like Brian Footwork Green, right? Yeah. So, how did yeah. you come into those circles and what has that 
taught you or what have you gained from, you know, do you feel like you now have a responsibility to a younger generation of dancers because you're, you know, in those ranks? What do you, how do you feel about that? Coming into these circles, some people have been people that I've known about, but didn't necessarily have access to physically be in their presence. Mm -hmm. Um, So when it kind of come around, like what when do William say? You've already been my best friend in my head. <laughs> and so it's like that. The deal with Brian, um, I had knew of him. Every time I had tried to get to New York when I graduated college, he was all touring. He wasn't there to teach. Um, because I remember him and Mop Top and seeing a lot of them flex and flip and all of them that was in kind of like a lot of the early hip hop and R&B videos, dancing with the salt and peppers and a kid in plays and a hammers and heavy D and the boys and all them like, you know, leg one and leg two with um, MC light and um, scoop and scrap with big daddy Kane and looking at those dancers and like one day I'm going to meet some of them. Mm-hmm. I just kind of knew it um, and still haven't met like all of them, but knowing people that know them still feels like I know some right. of them, mm-hmm. you know, um, Brian Green, when I moved here in 2003, is when Monsters Hip Hop started. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Funk came to Powerhouse. I was teaching at Powerhouse and was kind of promoting the um, the convention. And then we get into the teacher's room and it's Brian, you know, Brian Green, you know. And I'm like excited because I've been hearing about this dude. I'm like, you the dude that's been in this video. And you the one that did Maya's Free with the locking section. And mm-hmm. you the, okay, cool, cool. So he started just... If you ever taken a Brian Green class, he's going to start trying to see how you feel the music and do these basic little simple isolations that would show you how to groove. But when I started, I'm like, where did my funk go? Like, where did my funk go? <laughs> and you had other instructors, and in, I won't name them, who were kind of prominent in the Dallas scene. Um, first, they was all struggling because, one, he just put on instrumental music. He just put on beats. And by him being from, I think, yeah, he was the only one from the... He's the only one from the East Coast that was on the bill. So, you know, that vibe is totally different from the West Coast. Right. So, you know, the swag and everything is different. So he's just doing basic what we call posturing movements. And, you you know, had to catch it with a little bit of isolations. And, you know, we got in the middle of maybe some chest isolations. And he turned to me. He said, you from Chicago, ain't you? <laughs> and everybody was just like, oh, how did he know? You know him. I'm like, no. And I'm looking at him. He's like, I can tell by the way you move. Uh, speed it up probably about three, four years ago. I don't know how I came across him on Facebook because when Facebook was popping in my space, he wasn't even on there. Um, and I sent him a message. I said, I don't know if you remember me, but I met you in Dallas. He's like, yeah, I remember you. You was in a teacher hip hop class. Chicago, right? No. This had probably been about seven, eight years. Really? Yeah. And then from there, you know, I just told him, you know, how much that actually solidified and push me forward and encourage me. And then when I was looking at like classes for Broadway Dance Center um, to go up there and take a workshop or two, I saw her on the bill. I was like, oh, snap. Okay, cool. It was a kind of the same thing. I mean, I don't know Mia Michaels personally, but when I first went to New York and I took one of her classes, she was teaching hip hop. It was for a dance dance groove um, mm-hmm. <laughs> workshop. Which is yeah. <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah. And she blew me away. I had already knew of her. This was when she was rocking dreads. And she actually taught a house combo. Really? That's pretty cool. It was hot. And kind of afterwards, she kept calling my name. I was tired. It's my first time in New York. I made the mistake of going out the night before. And so just kind of knowing some people and kind of being in contact with them over social media um, put me in some of those circles. Right. 
That's cool. Yeah. I like you said a lot of a nice, cool, like really good things. But I want to wrap us up because we could be talking about this like all we day. can. We can. <laughs> but what I really got from it is that you you met you made these connections in class basically. So that's yeah. one thing I can't stress enough is like get in yes. class, get in class, get in class. That's where yeah. I met you in a class, right? Yes. So that's how yes. you make these connections. That's how you grow as a performer and a person. You stay within those communities and you'll yes. grow where you're planted. So that's real. Yes. Real cool. Okay, so then tell tell us about your your, your business. You want to talk about that? Uh, we could talk about all the side <laughs> hustles I got going on. Well, they actually business. They're not even hustles. Um, you know, coming from the dance world and kind of running track, you know, you have your, your your slew of injuries and things of that nature. I was introduced to massage therapy back in 98 when I had my first massage. Um, doctors have been wanting to operate on my knees because I was bow-legged, for one. I will... I say was I'm bow I'm, I'm bow leg, not legged, <laughs> because the right leg is more bow than the left now. Since I dislocated my left one in eighth grade and they popped it back in, yeah. a little bit straighter than the right. Um, but they had always wanted to just do surgery on my knees, um, and told me I had to stop dancing and running track for the rest of my life. And but they couldn't tell me what the surgery was going to do. So speed it up. Senior year in college, I was having issues with my knees. My legs weren't really bending that much. Um, went to go see a massage therapist. She worked on me for an hour and it's like I had new wheels. Mm. And I like just by touching me, you know, all these aches and pains are gone, mm. you know. And so I started researching it on my own and then just started applying the techniques. So I am a licensed massage therapist here in the state of Texas. I have my own um, business. I'm a sole practitioner. Um, it is Revivify Massage Therapy. Revivify um, I've been in massage business. Therapy. Yeah, Revivify Massage Therapy. Okay. That's R-E-V-I-V-I-F-Y. Okay. Um, and the website is revivify.massagetherapy.com. Okay. Um, when I decided to leave corporate, um, hopefully for good, mm-hmm. um, I decided to strike out on my own. This is something I wanted to do going into retirement, but I've been in business about five and a half years. Okay. Um, yeah, five and a half years now nice. with my own business massage-wise. Um, and then segueing into that, using a lot of products on clients, I kind of got into aromatherapy. Um, and clients were asking what scents was I using and also what oils was I using on them that was not leaving them oily or, mm-hmm. you know, lotions. Um, and I started creating my own lotions based upon those specific needs of clients. I see a lot of clients with a lot of health issues that I'm either they either trust me to help them manage their pain or to. And I can't say cure or heal because that's outside of my scope. But for the better part, give them alternatives to either surgery or to help them lessen their medications mm-hmm. and that's kind of where the my line of you know oils and body butters and things come from because they're heavily infused with aromatherapy because i do believe in the healing power of you know what god put on this earth the plants the spices right. the things of that nature and not all this um, man-made pharmaceuticals um and so that is the kcc which stands for the keith clark collection mm-hmm. um that website is the letter K, the number two, the letter C mm-hmm. dot big cartel dot com. Or you can just follow me uh, at the Keith Clark collection on Instagram and on Facebook. Okay. And I give a lot of different health tips and things of that nature, um, as well as pubbing my products. And that's been live for about it'll be two years this November going strong, but three years behind the scenes of kind of researching mm-hmm. and trying to make my product a little bit different from what's already out there on the market. So I do all those things. Nice. Would you suggest things. dancers take uh, get massages regularly? Yes. It's very wow. preventative. Ath- athletes, you know, your regular average everyday person. If you notice, everyone is walking around stressed out. Everybody tries to take some kind of 
pill to make them feel good, whether it's a five-hour energy drink because we all overworked and underpaid and everybody's on a grind and everybody is hustling and the way the world is set up and social media has everyone looking like if you're not doing that, there's something wrong with you. You know, and everyone is going, you know, burning the candle with both ends of the stick all the time. So there's a level of stress that is happening, which causes the health problems. You know, a lot of people don't eat well, mm-hmm. so that causes a lot of issues. But as dancers, you know, or anyone who actually physically use their body as their job, as their instrument, you need to take care of it like a car, like a piece of machinery. Mm-hmm. Your car needs to tune up every now and then. You got to get the oil changed, things of that nature. Same thing with massage. Not only does it decrease the stress, but it keeps your muscles in balance and supple enough for the demands that, for one thing, that dancers put on their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, because we start developing all kind of aches and pains and bad habits. Because what? Sometimes we dance to a lot of injuries because we have to, because we can't pull out of the gig. Mm-hmm. We can't stop teaching. Mm-hmm. So we learn how to dance around the injuries which create bad habits um, in our bodies, mm-hmm. muscle memory. And so massage therapy can actually help you get back into alignment, not only mentally, spiritually, but also physically as well. Nice. I love that. I love, yeah. love, love that. Okay. Yes. So you've given us all your, your websites, all your social mm-hmm. media handles. Um, mm-hmm. So we are wrapping up. So what's one tip that you would give to dancers or even just to a younger you? Like what's one takeaway you would want to leave with a young dancer? Um, never forget who you are. Mm. Never forget who you are. And why you do what you do. Um, the why sometimes changes. It should evolve. Yeah. It should evolve. Um, so that's not going to always be consistent. But never forget who you are as an individual and um, what you stand for. And be open to all the different people that you're going to meet. Because all of us are put on this earth for a specific pur- purpose. And we all have a specific mission that is supposed to interweave so that we can all help each other for the betterment of society. Um, so never totally negate someone else's contribution, you know, to this existence, you know, whether good or bad. You don't always have to be around it, but never negate it because it's there to teach you a lesson about yourself, you know, or to help, you know, burn something off of you that you need to or help elevate you to another level. Um, so never forget who you are. Never, 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 never forget who you are. Even if you have to write it down and, you know, say little mantras to yourself to remind you, particularly this industry, because you're going to have people trying to tell you what you're not Mm. (laughs) all the time. And rejection. Yes. All the time. Yeah. You have to have thick skin and you have to be like, okay, you might not like me and they might not like me and they might not like me, but somebody going to like me Mm -hmm. and you have to keep pushing. Mm. Yeah. Nice. I love that. Well, thank you, Keith. I appreciate it. No problem. Um, We have enjoyed your story, all your tidbits of information. (laughs) Make sure that everybody can get in touch with you. Go support the Keith Clark collection and get yourself a massage, y'all. So we'll post all of that. Thank you again. And until next time, happy dancing, folks. Yes, yes.